Welcome to the Joe Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Don Gonzalez. Joe Catholic is a lay apostolate formed in the fall of 2004 and then revamped to its current structure in the spring of 2009. According to the Second Vatican Council, the function of the apostolate is to influence the temporal order and cultural milieu into conformity with Christian ideals. It's in that light that our mission is to help equip everyday, ordinary people with the tools to evangelize and answer the universal call to holiness. We hope that this podcast helps do that and encourages you to pursue a deeper understanding of our rich Catholic faith. set up right, it's maintenance free. They say it's not much more expensive than putting in a regular pool. Right, but if you've already got a pool and then you're trying to convert. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not realistic. Well, that was an old man laugh if I've ever heard one. Because we're all old men. Way to go, Kev. Y'all are apprentice old men. Wait till you get to pro status like me. <laughs> yeah, that's a real old man life right there. <laughs> Alright, so let me tell you the quick outline and then we can get started. Right. I've actually started rolling just to see if I can catch some blooper stuff. Okay. Wasn't appropriate last week. Was it picking up this music? Oh, true. Didn't think about that. I don't know. So the title of the episode is Church of Football. I had the two anecdotal stories about my dad and his moods and then my moment of deciding to not fall football anymore. The way some people plan their entire Sundays around the game. You can even see it at low attendance at Mass. Yeah. Yeah, particularly when the Cowboys play in the afternoon or in the morning. I'm sure that's true. You can even see it in the shortened homilies at the noon Mass. Oh, yes. Yes, you can. Um... The liturgy of the sport, the vestments, yeah. all of that. The Hail Mary, the language of the sport, the Hail Mary Immaculate Reception. I like it. And this was opening weekend of football. Yeah. And the Cowboys had no prayer at all. I don't want to talk about the Cowboys. Huh? That is a knee-jerk reaction, sir. They have no prayer. <laughs> it's one game. We have a quarterback that can't throw past 15 yards. We were playing a really strong defense. I'll say that. And our defense actually looked pretty good. Oh, yeah. It sounds like you actually watched the game. I watched a good part of it. How was it, puppy cat? I know, isn't he amazing? Who would have thought the retarded one would be the better walker? Well, but poor Yeti wasn't raised in that household. When you, when you put him on a leash, he's a holy ghost. <laughs> put Yeti on there, he's the abominable snowman. We're going to leave that door open? How are we going to do this? I guess we're going to close it. It's your call. It's your house. Your theological armory. 
your chairs, your fan. My whiskey. Yes. for the podcast I was a guest on. Everybody individually records their own voices through their own audacity. And it isolates just your voice and then he blends them together. I have no idea how he does that. So everybody brought like their own laptop or whatever? We weren't in the same room. Okay. One kid was in New York, the other one was in Dallas, one was in Capel, and then me and Carlton. We did it all through Skype. Conversation was connected through Skype. We all recorded on Audacity, and he's like, in one, in three, two, one, record. Everybody started recording at the same time, and he's like, three, two, one, stop. So everybody started in at the same time, and then he just lines them up. Wow. He's got to clean out all the other crap, too. But So, like... I don't know how to do anything beyond what I did because all that I re- Stacy bought a headset because she's cool. teaching herself Spanish through Rosetta Stone. Yeah. And it requires that you talk back through a mic and all that stuff. So I encouraged her to go buy a headset and mic knowing I could use it. Yeah. And it came out beautifully. Really? Mm-hmm. It was a $35 mic too. Wasn't that expensive? So the thing that I've heard is there's, there's a recorder a digital recorder that you can get that can have up to four inputs and everybody has their own mic but it all plugs into that recorder and it's got those mics that only pick up what's right here you know that's apparently the way to go but that digital recorder is like $150 well if I'd gotten that $9,000 raise and then you take that mic and you take that recording and you just suck it into Audacity mm-hmm. yeah. and then do what you need to do with it. Right. Well, so we gotta get some, I'm going to have to figure out some way to get some donations as my uh, subscription to Bluehost is due for Joe Catholic and it expires in like a week. That's like $300. I guess I could go month to month, but that makes it really expensive. Why is it so much? They give you a break, but... Well, you know, it's the hosting part of it. It's not... I don't know how much you were paying for whatever you were using for My Stogie Mystic OG. But to have the full ability to be able to monetize it and do all this stuff, it's about 300 bucks. That's for three years, though. Okay, so it's 100 bucks a year. Yeah, when you do it three years, if you do it one year, it's more like 150 a year. I may just have to do year to year. i got to go back and look at it. Are you ready to get started, gentlemen? Yeah, you want me to turn the music off? Yes.
record, I'm an Enigma fan too. This is zero seven. So, you, you know, I mean, I don't want to say something to have you accuse me of thinking you're stupid, but this is Pandora, and so it's the Enigma channel. Okay, I'll shut up now. <laughs> Mark, do you think I'm stupid? Yes, Don, I do, actually. <laughs> you're uh, my charity friend. <laughs> I don't know that we ever discuss a charity friend as one of the categories that Aristotle and Thomas talked about. Yeah, I don't think so. Welcome back to the Joe Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Don Gonzalez, and I'm joined tonight, once again, in the theological armory of one Mark Conley. I'm joined by Mark Conley and my son, Kevin Gonzalez. Tonight's episode, we will be discussing the Church of Football. This past Sunday, and I guess it actually started on Thursday, was opening weekend for the NFL Football League. And so we're going to talk a little bit about... uh, the way men in particular, but not just men, because I know my wife is a particular, particularly, blah, 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 can't talk, uh, fanatic. Particularly. Fanatical fan. And so it's not limited to men. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, actually how there are some parallels between the way we view our sports. We're going to use football since we're in football season, uh, as the framework for that. So, I guess I'll start, you know, this kind of started on a lark when you and I were talking the other day, and, you know, I mentioned that uh, Sundays have become for us and, and our family truly a day where we spend time with family and go to church going to church is part of that too we get the the, on most days we get to go to mass with kevin and his wife and our granddaughter and i really enjoy doing that and especially seeing gabby's development as she starts to understand parts of the mass and pray parts of the mass and then we go over to kevin's house and normally have dinner and uh, this weekend was opening weekend for the Dallas Cowboys and they played an afternoon game so my wife Stacy insisted that the game be taped Mm. or DVR'd whatever the terminology is and so we started she started watching that at Kevin's house and then finished it at home and I didn't watch a lick of it and it reminded me of the old days when we used to plan our entire Sunday around the Cowboys game. We had, you know, and 
this probably preceded DVRs and DVDs and well, I guess not DVDs. I don't ever remember VH using the VHR to tape a game, although Stacy may have done that. But it reminded me of years ago, Stacy and I were very early in our relationship, and I remember a game in which the Cowboys were playing the New York Giants, which is kind of ironic because they play the Giants this weekend. And Troy Aikman was the quarterback, and Eric Williams, who was one of the great offensive linemen at the time, but they were at the very beginning of their decline. They were marching down the field, and it looked like they were going to be in position to either score the winning field goal or tie the game, something like that. They had no more timeouts. They'd gotten the ball down to the New York 20-25, definitely in field goal range, and they made a long completion and Eric Williams was exhausted and couldn't make it back to the line in time for Aikman to spike the ball and stop the clock and the game ended and I was so angry of this loss and I literally got sick to my stomach and it reminded me of when I was a kid growing up my dad would stay angry for days if the Cowboys lost. We were told as kids to stay away from Dad when the Cowboys lost. He'd be he'd be upset for days. And I had this just moment of clarity where I told Stacy, I can't do this anymore. Whether they win or lose doesn't affect my life. And I'm not gonna get those three, three and a half hours back. So I just decided then to stop watching them. If I wa- if I was at home, maybe I watch it, but I'm not gonna build my whole day around it. Now you were Kevin, you were talking earlier about things that you and Kate disagree with on a fundamental level. Your mom and I don't agree about this. Your mom, if she had it her way, she would be at home watching the game live. So I've really had to fight with her on recording it and then we have to be on radio silence and yeah. be away from everybody and make sure nobody lets her know who's... Well, nowadays you have to turn your phone off and everything then. Well, yeah, exactly. And she made the mistake of checking something on her phone and she found out the score of the game. <laughs> but it really got me thinking about this topic and how some of us, either now or have in the past, treat uh, sports in general, but specifically football... I really feel in a lot of ways football has become the American pastime over baseball because there's a whole culture surrounding Sunday football in particular. So I thought we'd talk about that. So do you have anything you want to add off the bat? Yeah. um, There's a lot of parallels. Football is played in cathedrals, big giant cathedrals where a lot of money is spent. And uh, if you look at the cathedral in Arlington, um, it's supported by the people because <laughs> they pay taxes and do stuff like that. Um, football, the NFL is also somehow, some way, a nonprofit. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but it's a, it's, it's a nonprofit organization. Now, are you sure it's non-profit or not for profit? I don't know the difference. Okay. So. There is some difference. I don't know what it is. 
I'd never heard that about them. I knew that they're considered one entity. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, people put on their Sunday best. And they go... By Sunday best, you mean dressing up in... Yeah, they, they put on their... Their, uh, their jerseys and their jersey hats. Or their Dak Prescott jersey or their whatever the jersey of the moment is. Um, and those colors change on various Sundays. True. If they're on the road and maybe wearing their dark uniforms yeah. and if they're home, or, they're or if they're in a in like a particular season, they'll have the throwback jerseys or you know, I mean it's it's kind of funny the parallels. And then uh, you've got you've got the opening ceremonies, you know, and then you've got uh, even beforehand when people meet in the uh, and do the tailgating. They've got their ritual foods. They've got their ritual greetings. <laughs> I mean, it's a giant ritual, and I think it speaks to our need for ritual in our lives anyway. But. Um, and then, like you say, people will organize their whole, whole days around it. I remember working in the grocery business that we knew, especially now, it was in the last millennium when the Cowboys were actually any good. So I'm talking about like, you know, I don't know, the Latin mass or something. But anyway, uh, it was... Uh, in the 90s when they had not been good for a long time and then they were getting good but they hadn't won a Super Bowl yet but they were going to one of their first playoff games in a long time and uh, we just knew there was going to be this rush prior to the game and then you could almost lock the doors because there would be nobody shopping because everybody was at home watching TV or at the game it was very well attended mass <laughs> so I don't know it's it's it struck me one time when I was going to a game and I saw the, the tailgaters that this was this was every bit of Sunday ritual it was uh, almost religious or I guess you could even say it is religious because the root of religion is to bind together and so people definitely bind together when they go to these games well i mean if you want to just take the analogy a step further there's a lot of sitting standing yes and now in the world we live in even kneeling right <laughs> yeah so it's interesting you know people do people say they don't have time to go to mass but they got time for a three hour you know mass is too long this, this mass was an hour and five minutes. The games are three and a half hours long. We've got time for that. There's usually food involved, whether it's at the game or at home. So you've got the gathering together. There's the sharing of stories from the past. <laughs> so, and then you have a meal. And then there's the, you know, everybody goes home at the end. So they can go tell everybody about the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you raise a good point. I mean, I don't want to um, play this down, but 
I would argue that there are a lot of there are more people that know the important plays or game or moments in the game than they do any highlights from a homily they may have heard that Sunday. Oh, no doubt. And speaking of Sunday Mass, one of the things that always struck me as a kid is you could always tell, you know, traditionally there are two, two games played on Sunday, well, two slots. There's like a 12 o'clock slot central time, and then there's like a 3 o'clock or 3.30 slot as yeah. well. And this is not taking into account the, the late night mat, the late night mass, the late yeah. night game. But you could tell at church when the Cowboys were playing at noon. Yeah. Because, and if you happen to attend that mass, it would be a shorter mass. It would, it would be less attended. Or one of the parishes we used to belong to, they had an 11 o'clock mass. And that mass seemed to finish 45 minutes. Yeah. And homily was always shortened. Right. And now, now that they've got these evening games too, and you know we have an evening mass, typically the teen mass. That mass is normally fairly well attended because you got all the parents of the kids at that mass. Yeah. But when the Cowboys are playing the Sunday evening game, yeah, not so much. Yeah. And we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys because we live in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, but I'm sure that's the case anywhere across the United States where there's a football team that is playing on TV. Yeah. We did have the great divide, you know, um, AFL and the NFL, and uh, they were able to come back together, so there's hope maybe one day. (laughs) But the Protestants and the Catholics yes. come back together? Yeah, or the Eastern, you know, the Orthodox. and the, So. You're just going to lay out the whole time, Kevin? You're just going to be present but say nothing? You closet Green Bay Packer fan? Oh, really? What? Why are we going to throw that in here? Oh. Well, at least my Packers have a quarterback. Yeah. Well... <laughs> I always accused Kevin as a bandwagoner because as a kid, when the, when he was young and was old enough to understand what was going on in football, he's a big Green Bay Packers fan and Favre was the quarterback yeah. and they had a good team. And it was also a time in which the Cowboys and the Packers were still both decent and they played each other quite a bit right. uh, in the playoffs or whatnot. And he was such a Green Bay Packers fan. And I'm kind of old school. I mean... I root for my home teams, whether they're good or bad. And right now in Dallas, it's a bad time to be a sports fan. Our baseball team is in last place. Uh, our basketball team is like five years removed from a championship and is rebuilding. Yeah. I don't know enough about hockey. You could throw that in, Kevin. But they are on the outside looking in in terms of playoffs and then the Cowboys haven't been really good in a long time not since the last millennium so we have a whole generation of kids that don't know that the Cowboys were good once upon yeah. a time um, but all that being said I've, I grew up with you support your local team hmm. and I've always kind of lived with the philosophy of alright if you're somebody whose family came from Pittsburgh, then I get if you're a Steelers fan or you grew up and your 
formative years in the Boston area, you're a New England Patriots fan or whatever, but this notion of just randomly picking a team because, I don't know, they're winning. Okay. I've been a Packer fan for 24 years now. I was 10 years old when I picked them. I knew this would draw him in. Now I root for the Cowboys as long as they're not playing the pack. Right. <laughs> There's Father Bird at the Priory, and he's uh, from Green Bay, I guess. So he's a Packer fan. I have he an has uncle. a cheesehead. I have an uncle from Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, but you were a Green Bay Packers fan way before you had an uncle from Wisconsin. True. <laughs> so how did you even, how are you even aware at 10 of the Packers? Oh, I grew up around football. Are you kidding but, I mean, why the Packers versus... Because they were team? winning. Uh, What's your real reason, well, no, Kevin? Uh, granted, you're asking me to think like a 10-year-old again. I'm just asking you to... Re- it should be nah. easier for you to remember than me. <laughs> so, the Cowboys had actually just come off a Super Bowl win when I started rooting for the Packers. They had just beat the Steelers. Um... You mean the year the Cowboys beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl? Yes. It was, it was the same time I decided that my team was going to be Green Bay. And it was actually twofold. One, I think it was a little bit of a, a rebellious thing for me. It was like, everybody's rooting for the Cowboys. Everybody knows the Cowboys. And I'm like, I don't want to root for the Cowboys. I want my own team. Yeah. And really it wasn't because of Brett Favre. I was a huge Brett Favre fan. I liked everything he stood for. I liked the way he played the game. I liked the fact that, you know, he would take a pummeling and still get out there and, and win games and when you look at what a good quarterback is and should be he fits the mold just like if you were to look at Tom Brady now or uh, my current Packer quarterback Aaron Rodgers well, I mean look at this first look at week one what the Packers did sure. Aaron goes out early they start getting the snot beat out of him Aaron goes well I can't have that gets back in the game and well look at that one and oh so you're like the person who doesn't go to the church in their parish. They go to the parish where they have a good homilist. <laughs> yeah, we're really going to be stretching this analogy out quite a bit. But you know what I was thinking about is Kevin was talking because this is not without controversy in our house. His mother is a big fan. She, now, in our family, I can say that, you know, like I'm, I'm the big baseball fan because I grew up with baseball. Stacy, football is is superior to everything else. She, football is her thing. Um, our daughter, I would argue, is probably basketball. Uh, she and her husband kind of connected on this Dallas Mavericks-San Antonio Spurs rivalry. Kevin, I would argue, is more of a hockey fan first. Yeah, ho- yeah hockey's the only thing I, I... I watch football. I don't follow football. Okay, fair. But all of this... Football fanaticism in my house for my wife comes from my mother-in-law, who, this is not me stretching the analogy, she has a shrine to the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> in her dining room. Yeah. What do you call it? What do you call it? It's, it's like this, but the smaller, it's like a glassed-in shelving uh, that fits in the corner. Is, what are those uh, things called? A curio. Yes, yeah, she has a curio filled with nothing but... Uh, Dallas memorabilia and for the longest time you know part of it was me trying to garner favor with her as the favorite uh, 
son-in-laws, I would always, every Christmas, I would get her something cowboy. Was getting her an autographed picture of... Like the Sacred Heart of Landry? Yeah. Like, I think the probably her most... There are two things that she has that are probably her cherished uh, keepsakes. And the first one is... Stacy used to work with Roger Staubach's son-in-law, and we got a football signed by Roger Staubach. Oh, wow. Arguably the greatest quarterback in, that played for the Dallas Cowboys. And then when they built a new stadium, you could buy a brick to go into the sidewalk. And we bought her a brick that said her name on it, and number one Cowboys fan. And one of the cool things they would do is they would give you your own copy of that brick in that What's that plastic stuff called that they put things in? Blue, uh, not lucite. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, it's in a nice little plastic thing that sits in the living room. That's not in the shrine, but... Yeah, she's probably got stuff in there dating back to 1972, and I think that was the year the Cowboys beat Miami in the Super Bowl. Does Romo actually have the best stats, except for winning playoff games? He holds a lot of. He holds a lot. I think of he holds a lot of the records for yeah, like yeah. touchdowns and yards passed and yeah. things like that. So I don't know much about that because I'm a curling fan. Well, who here isn't? <laughs> you joke about that, but not to get too far off topic. I have. I remember the first time I saw curling at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Exactly, yeah. And just got hooked on watching it. <laughs> they do have local curling clubs. Do they really? Yes. There's, it's actually a much bigger... It's Didn't like the Americans win the sport. gold this year? I think the Americans won the gold this year. <laughs> this past year. And curling? Yes. Wow. I had no idea. And, and what is curling? It's shuffleboard on ice. <laughs> There's a lot to it. My... Uh, my coworker and I, during the Olympics, we had a whole conversation on curling. So we both looked up the rules. Yeah. Looked up the position names and the rules, and it's it's intense when you actually start looking and you actually dive into it. Right. And look at the different. They actually have different positions, and whose responsibility is what, and like there's the, like three the sweeper, people on the team, right? The, how how the sweeper actually plays an important role and yeah. just wow. all kinds of stuff and like the rule book is like just like any other rule book you would expect to find. That's funny. They have their own catechism. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, and that's it. That's an interesting segue back into the football because you could argue that the rules of football are a catechism, and any time they change the rules, as they did this year with. Things about like how the treatment of the quarterback or whatever it gets very controversial because, oh no, you changed the sacred rules of football. Yeah. Much like you know we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about the revision to the catechism right. and how controversial that was. So. Yeah. Well, you know, they do still a lot of the teams still do pray before the game. That's right. And within within the huddles and whatnot. And, you still have a lot of people thanking God for their awesome catches and touchdowns. Yeah. They do have the Hail Mary. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, the original Hail Mary does have its roots back to the Dallas Cowboys. There right. was a game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. And Roger Staubach, by all accounts, is a pretty devout Catholic. Yeah. 
And I think if I'm remembering the legend well, that somebody came in and I don't remember if it was him or somebody else that said, you know, why don't you say one of those Hail Marys or whatever? And that's how the the name stuck. And very close, that was in the 1970s and about that same time too, the Pittsburgh Steelers had their famous immaculate reception by right. Frank O'Hara's where there's not even footage of this. You see the ball bounce off of somebody's foot, maybe, and then you see Franco Harris with the ball run off for a touchdown, and they call that the Immaculate Reception. So you have some language in the game of football that's borrowed from Catholicism. Yeah. That's funny. But I guess to bring the conversation back to a serious note, I think that... It would be, I think it's important to talk a little bit about what you started off with, about the amount of time that we spend participating mm-hmm. in the ritual of of supporting our football team or, or any of our sports teams. Right. And how much time we invest in that. In comparison to the amount of time that we spend in our own spiritual development. Right. And when you think about it, too, I mean, it, this has been around for a long time, but I think it's a bigger deal now, and it's actually big business, is the notion of fantasy football. Hmm. And the amount of time that people spend on on that. Because what that, what that has done is football is not just about Sunday anymore. Right. It's about... Monday through Wednesday of setting up lineups and trading players, watching waiver lines, and people spend a significant amount of time doing that. Wow. And, you know, there are leagues that are set up for fun. There are leagues that are set up for money. Yeah. I know people that are involved in multiple game, multiple leagues, and... I have a hard time dealing with that. You know, I've I've played my fair share of fantasy football over the years, and I haven't been in the league in a couple of years. But I do know, from a personal standpoint, how time-consuming it can be. And, you know, to what you said earlier, is like somebody can spend three hours, three and a half hours of their Sunday watching a game if they get irritated that mass runs over an hour. Yeah, and if Where, you think about, if you're going to a game... You're really talking about a five-hour commitment. At least. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So where are your priorities? Yeah. So. And the amount of money that you spend to go to a game is crazy. I mean, what does it cost, like, a family of four to go to a cowboy game? Five hundred dollars. Let's see here. If you're lucky, tickets alone, you're talking thirty-five dollars a pop, and I mean you're sitting at the very top at that price. Yeah. You parking it's gonna probably be at least another thirty. Yeah. So and assuming everybody eats at least, we'll say one hot dog. Yeah. You're eight dollars a pop. Everybody gets a drink. There's another seven fifty. 
Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'd say three hundred is easily easily mm-hmm. minimum of three hundred. Now they don't do that every Sunday. Or most right. People don't, but still, you know, you get people that put their twenty dollars in the basket on Sunday. And they'll spend way more than that preparing for a game. Like if you have a watching party at your house, how much does that cost? Food, beer, cokes, chips, dip, ultra yeah. bang. Right. Now, I will. We should say this: if you're tithing like you're supposed to, and you tend Matt, participate fully. You know, tied like you're supposed to, blah, 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 then feel free. Right. We're, we're not talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I disagree with that or not. I mean, because, I mean, we're all called to have leisure time. And right. One, one man's leisure might be another man's work. Some people think... Working in the yard is leisure. I don't. Yeah. I don't consider that leisure at all. Um, but, I mean, I want to get back to this question about what are our priorities when we're spending, at a minimum, three plus hours watching a game. Yeah. And, and now, I mean, now it's more than a game. It's, you know, we're dealing with political statements at games and... Yeah. What not? Well, and then there's people that'll watch all day long. They'll watch the 11 o'clock game, they'll watch the 3 o'clock game, they'll watch the 7 o'clock game. Oh, my stepfather in law, he's got the uh, NFL network. Yeah. And he's got the he's got the pass. So he'll rotate between all the games. It's over at Leon's house the other day, and he had the red zone. That's what yes. he's got the red zone. Which that's is basically got. flips from game uh-huh. to game to game. Yeah, that's what he has. scores. And I'm right. like, I'm watching a game, and then it switches. I'm like, why are they switching? Well, because they score, this is a scoring drive. Oh. I mean, it just switch and switch and switch and switch. And it's like, I don't know. I can't watch that. But apparently that's for the uh, fantasy football people. It is. And there's a big market for it. Yeah. Wow. Now, if only we could get that mass of homilies. All right, this priest made their point. Switching over to this parish. <laughs> the the Catholic Red Zone homily channel. All right, Saint Paul's not quite to the homily yet. They're still in the uh, the Psalm responsorial Psalm. So we're gonna go over here to Saint Jude's see what they got going. Right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Was was it you talking one time about how it, they needed to come up with like. Uh, football cards that were saints oh yeah I mean that's trading cards that's trading cards that would be awesome now you put it out in the air and someone's gonna steal my idea oh sorry cancel that no. <laughs> no I mean but you've got people that collect football cards or baseball cards yeah. and I know every stat yeah but you ask them to tell you who the patron saint of I don't know. Lost knee positive. knee ailments or whatever, and they don't have a clue what you're talking about. Yeah, I think it'd be cool though, because that would also be a great way to teach you to teach kids. Yeah, that was my idea. You know, you could have a Saint Francis rookie card. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
You could. And you could have like a St. Francis veteran card. Yeah, I mean, we the rookie cards you, denied by the Pope. We literally could have had a St. John Paul II rookie card from when he was made a priest, right? Yeah. yeah. And then boom, sainted. Yeah. Well, in, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, I don't... Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, if you have a saint card, I mean, how does that compare to like a... I don't know, like say a Hall of Fame or a... a You'd have to have a different collection. You'd have to have the rookie cards. Yeah. Right? So the rookie cards are prior to Sainthood. Right. And then you have the Hall of Fame. Sainthood. Yeah. Right. You could use the image from the canonization as that saint card. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, there are sacramentals in sports. Those those trading cards are sacramentals. I don't yeah. think that it's a stretch to compare them to per cards. Uh, we live in a time now where there is, um, it seems like bobbleheads are all over the place as promotionals. Yeah. And, you know, I once gave a talk and everybody thought I was being kind of disrespectful when I did this, but I've seen other people make this reference now. That is, I compared, I did a talk at RCIA on the communion of saints. Yeah. I brought in a stack of baseball cards and prayer cards. I brought in a bobblehead of Nolan Ryan and a statue of St. Joseph. Yeah. And I'm like, there are some parallels here. Like, we don't worship the bobblehead. I don't, I, I don't want to... But maybe as a kid, I want to grow up to be a pitcher like Nolan Ryan. Yeah. And in the same way, I don't worship the St. Joseph statue, but maybe I want to be more like him. So your mom, I guess, has a first order relic, right? That football. Oh my, uh, my mother-in-law. That yeah. would be a second. Second order relic. Second order relic. A first hand relic would be a like lock of hair, or <laughs> a vial of blood of right. Roger Staubach. Yeah. Wow. Second order relic. So. Hmm. All right, so I feel like uh, we probably have taken this analogy as far as we can possibly take it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, you know, it's good for us to have a fun time talking about football, um, particularly since the last uh, episode we did was pretty pretty heavy. Yeah. Uh, this is certainly a little bit more lighthearted. I hope we didn't offend anybody by the analogy, but I do think that there is an underlying... Um, serious note and that is to keep everything well ordered that you should reflect on the fact that look in and of itself watching a football game is not evil no but if you're disordered and you're spending your time trying to set your schedule to when the game is and don't go to mass and I would even argue on some level that if you did if you dictate what mass you go to because of the football game, what's more important to you? Right. And so I think we should take some pause and think about what really rules our lives. Are we letting God rule our lives? Are we letting the church of football rule our lives? I think there's one other tie-in that I think is important, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, but... 
the 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 reality of the amount of time that people spend watching football and all the rituals that are in there they speak to a need within us for that kind of ritual and that is based on a religious impulse i think and it's been mis misapplied but i think we need to recognize the basis of it and the basis of it is a need to feel some sort of uh, communion with our fellow sports fans and with our teams and with with ritual and uh, there's a reason why we all have that impulse and it's not football it's God and I, I think if we recognize that we're built for that and maybe it'll help us make better decisions about how we spend our time. And the last thing I'm going to say is that there are some, besides just the pure entertainment value of watching sports, there are some good that can come out of sports. The notion of sportsmanship, right. teamwork, uh, even um, good com- competition yeah. is good. Uh, the development of character, the need for discipline uh, in order to prepare for a game and all that. In fact, if you look at the writings of St. Paul, you see all of these analogies that he draws to being athletes. So, just things to ponder. You know, I think that one of the fun and interesting things about Catholicism is that you can find connections to just about any aspect of life. Yeah. Um, because the Catholic faith is so organic. Yep. And so I think we'll close with that and just say uh, thank you for joining us with this uh, lighthearted but serious conversation about football and the role that it plays in our lives. And uh, hopefully it gets some of you thinking about whether or not uh, you are ordered in the approach that you take to participating in the cheering on of your team and how that uh, how that's viewed or how that's played out in your life in cheering on our Lord and celebrating his presence in the Eucharist yeah so thanks again for joining us and we look forward to uh, another episode down the road and uh, we'll probably get back to being a little bit more serious with our conversation thanks again Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you liked what you heard, please like us on your preferred podcast listening platform. Also, please consider financially supporting our podcast by making a monthly contribution of $0.99, $4.99, or $9.99. You can do so by clicking the purple button at anchor.fm slash Catholic. If you would like to see show notes or learn more about the Joe Catholic Apostolate, please go to our website, thejoecatholic.org. Thanks again for listening to the Joe Catholic Podcast.
smart? Do you think I'm stupid? Yes, Don, I do, actually. <laughs> You're uh, my charity friend. <laughs> I don't know that we ever discuss a charity friend as one of the categories that Aristotle and Thomas talked about. 